Welcome to the Leadership Drift, coffee and conversations for leaders leading the next generation. We're excited to welcome another incredible guest to the table. But before we do, could you do us a favor and hit that subscribe button? While you're at it, go ahead and give us a five-star review. That helps these conversations reach other great leaders. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and get ready to join us at the table for another great episode of the Leadership Drip. Rob, my friend, welcome back to the Leadership Drip table. And we have coffee that's as hot as it is outside here. Amen. So the show's going to be released probably September sometime, but it's July in Tennessee. And if you've ever been to Tennessee in July. It's a good balmy July. It's like swimming through this the humidity. Yeah, it's like breathing through cheesecloth kind of July. <laughs> breathing through cheesecloth. Right? But we are consistent. We have coffee, <laughs> so the leadership drip is alive. We, we have a fellow not. coffee drinker, gamer, creator, social influencer, all-around yep. outstanding guy in John Wiley. John, welcome to the ta- table. <laughs> Thank you. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. So, so Rob, I don't know about you, but, but my gaming stopped really and this is my age with the original sega like i wasn't even cool enough to have a nintendo like all my friends had nintendo but i had the original sega i played a lot of shinobi and outrun did you game at all oh uh, yeah i still would game if i had the time so here here's this is a true story okay this is a true story <laughs> i feel like right? we need that that music like that montage yes, music yes. true stories with rob John, you're going to appreciate this I, I i'm going to love it yep so right now I'm writing my dissertation, right? And one of the dangling carrots that I have in front of my face, my own personal dangling carrot, is when I finish my dissertation, I'm going to get the new Xbox. Is it like five? What's the Xbox now? Like It's, like- it's, it's the uh, X. I forget the, the S. The S. Yes. Thank you. The S. Or I may get a PS5. I'm not sure which. I haven't done the PlayStation in a while. I've been an okay. Xboxer for a while. But yeah, I still game. Ethan likes to game. Your like son, Ethan. Son, yeah. Ethan likes the game. So we play 2K, we play NFL, we play all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. John, you're you're the gamer in the in the room. Oh, no. Or, well, obviously, Rob does some. So I'm also a gamer. So what what are Thumbs you up. what are you gaming currently? Yeah, I'm on the I'm on the Warzone trend. So there's a, a game called Call of Duty Warzone. Yeah. I play that most of the time. I actually put about 42 hours in it last week with my friends in the nighttime after all my work was done. Which is another full time job, you know. But yeah. um, so help so, me if you're getting paid to play video games, I'm gonna be really upset right now. <laughs> I I'm not directly getting paid to play video games, but I'm getting paid to consult professional gaming organizations and people. So wow, um, indirectly, yes. So <sighs> so so I saw on his Insta he had the, and I don't know anything about gaming, but I, my kids know who this is. He, you got a hoodie from Ninja, is that correct? Ninja, yeah. Oh. Tyler Blevins. who's like the ultimate yeah. gamer or something like that. Yeah, he's like the he, Hulk Hogan of gaming. He, he kind of led the way, like the visionary of full time streaming gaming with Fortnite and and Halo and things like that. And so he's, yeah, he's okay. Amazing. So this is another true story. This, this is this is this <laughs> true is stories with Rob. So. We, we lived in Southern California up until a couple of years ago. And nice. one day we were at the Anaheim Convention Center, right? And both my boys started geeking out. Like they were like, Dad, do you know who that is? I'm like, bro, I've got no idea. Just five random dudes, young guys, right? Apparently they were some like world famous Fortnite team. Yep. Or something like that. And they were they were just like going crazy. I mean, they're like thousands of kids. Yeah. Thousands of of. And young adults, yeah. people like me. Yeah. So that was probably the Fortnite World Cup. Uh, with, I, I believe it was. Yes. It was yeah. like four, five, six years ago, maybe three, yep. four, five, six years ago. Something like yep. That. 
So, so John, my question is, cause my, my youngest son is a gamer and okay. like, he's a natural leader. Like, like I can hear him like barking out, like he plays work. <laughs> so like, he's marking, like mark your six. And he's like yelling at people all around him. Like he's leading obviously. Yes. But the interesting thing when we, when I gamed, it was, it was flat and it was one dimensional pretty much or two dimensional. And it was just me. And then I would quit and put down and it's over. But really, especially in the pandemic, gaming has become very communal. How yeah. has how has especially with millennials, Gen Zs, the gaming community helped sort of alleviate some of that lack of community? It's it's been night and day. Um, I think I, <laughs> as weird as this might sound to some people, I I praise God for the gaming space during COVID. I think I think it allowed I think it had allowed community to exist while we were socially distanced or physically distanced. Um, I think I think it allowed people to stay straight in their minds to where they could still have conversations and, and a mutual mutual connection over a commonality um, from the safety of their own home. So they're not exposing people, they're not getting exposed. It's right. a place where yeah. we could still psychologically connect with people. And um, I think, I really think it saved a lot of lives. Um, I think it kept a lot of people's minds right and it kept kept people connected to the people um, who were either already in their lives or to introduce them to communities around the United States or around the world um, yeah. that mutually played the game. So, so, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a movie question, right? So yeah. one of my favorite movies is ready player one. Okay. Okay. Which I know you've probably seen, right? Yep. So how realistic this is, leave it to Jeff to be the adult on the show and actually yeah. guide us towards adult conversation. We'll get to spiritual conversations we'll a little bit, but this is super <laughs> I'm just, I'm like, I'm all in on this gaming conversation this morning. I want Things to I didn't know either. Yes. Wow. So, We've been friends a long time. So <laughs> how realistic do you think we are from a ready player one scenario? You're, you're, give me your best conspiracy theories. Are we there? I mean, we, I mean are we close, man? I mean... I mean, we're not super close, but we're closer than we were 10 years ago. True, true. You know, all this VR stuff coming yeah. out. I mean, it's yeah, it's kind of trippy what you can do with VR now. Like you can like put on your VR, go into a room with other people with their VR on and interact with each other in the room. And like it's a uh, it's awesome. Wow. I was just at a place called Apex in Virginia Beach this past weekend, and they have a VR station, which has like five units in one big kind of collective space yeah and like you were playing against each other in this one vr world and this one it was wild yeah it's crazy it's amazing yeah and there are there are some and i don't remember where i saw this but there are some churches who are dabbling in this vr yes. world and doing yep. vr services it's yeah a, the was, whole, it, was it jonathan pakuda that we talked about a couple uh, weeks maybe ago? We talked about vr church yeah it's it's a it's going to it, it may happen i'm gonna say it's gonna happen but it's maybe one of those things that those worlds mesh and merge uh, it'd be interesting to see I, I so. think so. I like with the 360 camera or the 180 camera yeah. where you yeah. look around in the service and up and down and like you're like yeah. front front and center where the pastor normally sits or whatever. Like, I mean, I'm I'm for it, man. Like you put a 360 camera up front where the pastor is and like you can like see him like preparing his notes or finalizing something or whatever. Like I'm hey, you know, one that gives people access in a safe environment where they can experience church maybe for the first time ever um and and two it's just a cool experience like how like i can be sitting at my desk pop on my vr goggles and then like be in a church experience you know uh, like, here, here's here's okay. a fun thought okay what if we get to the holographic stage of church right, right. 
I know we're not far, right? So what if we actually like had Charles Spurgeon come in, yeah, in a holographic form and deliver one of his amazing sermons, or Jonathan Edwards, so, or yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, Martin Luther in the Lutheran Church, yeah. the church would yeah. go crazy for the first time ever, you know? Yeah, like, right? it would... <laughs> so I, I think Cisco or somebody else was using it because they were, and this was a while ago, and and a guy named uh, Lynn Sweet or Leonard Sweet, he's a theologian mm-hmm. kind of guy. He was talking about it um, a decade ago, but they were Cisco was using it to take their CEO who was like in San Francisco and put him on stage at um, in like India to one of their meetings. Um, I saw Brad Paisley in concert. I'm going to admit my all kinds of things too, but he, when he does his duet with, with Carrie Underwood, Underwood, she's a hologram on stage. Like, I don't think we're that far from that. That seems a whole lot closer than maybe the VR world, but maybe we we've seen it's already, uh, cost effective uh, as it were for for big conferences and big yep. like events like we've seen you, that michael jackson one that that came out when he died oh, yeah. a couple of years after yeah, he yeah, died a like like i was like something yeah yeah something like that i was like this is so trippy yeah, um, yeah. Trippy. okay so as a gamer we kind of talked about a little bit about <laughs> community culture right the gaming culture is obviously a massive culture right you've got your league people you've yep. got your you know, your COD people, your COD people, you've got, you I mean, you've got all kinds of groups and communities, right? Everyone yeah. affiliates with. So this, this concept of being a gamer there, so there's, there's a unique select set or subset of cultures, namely the games, but what's it like in terms of just gamers in general, or is there a mutual respect or is there still a lot of kind of turf war sort of, Oh, you just play, you know, league and and that's that's all you do or whatever like yeah i you know these are great questions this like i think it's very um i mean there we're, we're people and so there there are those people that are very defensive about the their game like the, i'm gonna def, like this is the only game that is good and i'm gonna defend my game right like league a league player could say that and and even within the games like in call of duty there's like there's Warzone, and then there's multiplayer and then there's zombies like so like then even within that niche it can get a little more um turfy um and so yeah there are some people that are super adamant about like like i only play my game and stick with my people and then there's other people that are like hey i'll play whatever my friends are playing like i'll pop in and like like whatever um yeah it's 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 a people people thing right like that's pretty fascinating that we yeah. we kind of behave the same even in digital spaces yeah. <laughs> as humans so yeah and you've been you've been in the digital space and especially the social space for a long time mm. you were very early on on we're gonna throw it way back on myspace which yeah some people may not know what that is yeah, okay, anymore. My, <laughs> <laughs> myspace was the the i guess precursor to facebook yeah it was like the original long before there was instagram social or tw- media I guess twitter was out of maybe about the same time but yeah but I've heard you talk about your your sort of the MySpace journey, mm. and then when you sort of had this moment where you realized that you could leverage MySpace for the gospel. Mm. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So MySpace. Um, yeah, you mentioned top eight. Uh, I was very smart with my top eight, and I kept Tom as the number one all the time. Always keep Tom. Always keep Tom number one, and that saves you so much drama because so many people would be like, "Why am I not your number one? Why am I not?" Or and you're just like, yeah. oh, "Gosh, like." people calm down so <laughs> so my yeah myspace was this crazy thing where like um i just jumped right in and and um as you heard on on that podcast um with hannah it um 
it kind of turned into this this machine of like talking to friends, getting we we would make these codes, HTML codes that would go in our bulletin boards that would essentially promote your friend to your your group and they would take your code and promote you to their group. And it just grew into this thing where I had thousands of friends really, really quickly. And um, I was just doing like the normal MySpace thing where like you would just do those silly little um, questionnaire things or be like yeah. favorite color, favorite food, you know, least favorite candy, whatever. And I'm like just wasting time. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute, like, like this can be used for something greater than, than silly questionnaires and like, and, and memes that we didn't even call them memes at the time. I don't even know what we called them. Like, um, but we called them picks, picks, <laughs> crazy picks, you know? Um, so, so then I was like, yeah, let's, I, I realized that like MySpace is going to die, right? Like MySpace, like, even though it's thriving right now, like, like the trend of things is like one day it is going to end. And so like, what can I do on MySpace to, to share Christ or to impact people for Christ? Right. Um, and, and I was friends with dudes like Skrillex, the dubstep guy before he was Skrillex. And I was friends with like, like these, these big names now that like were nobody's back then just trying yeah. to yeah. make a name for themselves. And so I'm like, man, what, how crazy would it be? Like if one of my posts, like somehow got to Skrillex and like it planted a seed and one day he's going to like come to faith in Christ. I'm like, that's kind of cool to think about, but I just started doing that. And then like Twitter came out and I was like, well, I'll translate this to that. And I really loved Twitter because you could like, I'm a, I'm a really complicated guy, I guess, in a lot of ways where I like a lot of things. And so Twitter made it to where I could follow a lot of thought leaders in a lot of places Mm -hmm. and start connecting with them. And this was when Twitter was pure, where like, if it was someone's name on their account, it was actually them managing their account. It wasn't like their assistant or like their assistant's third assistant. If it was like someone huge. Um, And so like, if you tweeted someone, they would like tweet directly back at you and you knew it was them at the time. And it was this really cool connection. Um, And even with that, I was like, this is going to die someday. And so I started sharing like Bible verses or thoughts as I was reading in the morning or like praying or, um, and just, it just started turning into this thing of like, Oh my gosh, this, people are congregating in these, in these places. And like, we can impact this, these spaces for Christ in some really meaningful ways. Um, so that's kind of that early journey of social media in my world, which yeah. is, it's fun. Yeah. yeah. And it's been kind of cool too, you know, to see how both social media, which we've talked about a lot on yeah. the show, which has been a major sort of topic and theme. I think the gamer conversation is a fairly new or original one for us, at least on the show in terms of the gaming cultures, but yep. But even at that, it directly applies because universities across America are now including EA sports teams that compete intercollegiately. I mean, they're getting scholarships Mm -hmm. to attend their universities to be a part of EA sports teams. Even here at Lee, where we are, we have um, we purchased last year several gaming systems that we're going to install, hopefully in some point in one of our facilities for creating these tournament based sort of intercollegiate kind of competitions. Right. So we're still in sort of data collecting mode in terms of what people want to do and stuff like that. But I think the conversation is, is, is significant because it's not just about uh, the games, right? The games themselves are fun, right? It gives everyone a chance to play, right? You don't have to be an elite athlete to actually play Madden, right? So, or whatever the game is. Um, but it gives sort of levels the playing field for everyone yep. in, in some respects and gives an opportunity to, to be a part of something intercollegiate like that. But the point is this gaming mechanism 
also is is a uh, huge sort of fantasy slash anti-realism kind of movement where a lot of people are using it to disconnect from a from a difficult reality right mm-hmm. so in your experience working in that culture what are those healthy boundaries what are some of those healthier spiritual sort of realities that we can use and tap into but also at the same time we need to be careful of yeah great question again um games i think it's just another form i'm, I'm gonna keep going back to this because i'm a I'm a super guy. I think games are just another form of a already existing problem. Mm-hmm. I think I think people have always had an issue with overindulgence and over um, yeah. enjoyment of entertainment means. Um, I mean, pre Shakespeare, you know, like we're talking like people would just be addicted to like. I mean, that's where we get the the term cathartic from, right? It's it's this idea of like you you experiencing something so that you don't do it yourself or you right. witnessing or, or, or watching something so you don't do it yourself it's an escape tool and escapism and so um i think i think as christians or as believers in jesus where we can show caution or where we can kind of check ourselves in these areas is by having people that speak into your life truthfully and openly um that that can look at you better than you can look at yourself sometimes with your tendencies and propensities and and say hey like I'm giving you space and access to speak into my life where like, if you see that, like, I'm, I'm missing deadlines at work or I'm, I'm sleeping terribly, or I'm like, I'm, I'm acting weird. Um, and, and you can see it's a direct impact of like my, my video game um, passion or habit or whatever. Um, I'm giving you permission to speak into that for me and to call me out and to um, help me. Yeah. Um, and, and whether that's, I mean, we, we saw it early on with, with social media. Hey, if, if I'm getting like hooked on social media, here's my passwords, change my passwords. And whenever I'm back and healthy again, like give it back. A lot of these gaming spaces, you need a password to get into the game. And so you could give your password to a trusted friend and they can change it for you to where like, Hey, if you, if it gets that bad where you just need to fully step away for a season for like literally a season, cause games are kind of made in seasons. Um, like, do it and like focus on your walk with the Lord and and focus on community. Um, And so like in-person community, as well as like maybe even diving into like these gaming communities where there's like discord servers and all that kind of stuff. So that's, that's what I would say. It's, it's a similar, it's a similar copy paste issue as to like, yeah, social media addiction or even alcoholism or nicotine addiction or like it's, it's this idea that sometimes our brains just latch onto something. And while we may not be like, substance addicted to something you can become addicted to gaming into the to the online um, space yeah and i think so the question john i have as as we have some some i want to say older that's terrible some more mature no that's not either leaders less understanding of gen z and the younger millennials let's say that so less understanding of the culture um who are a kind of have a black and white like lens on this gaming thing and the social media thing and the in the the tensions of those things. Now we we've talked about how the community is created, and it's it really was a helping during the pandemic. What's the balance needed between sort of having the IRL in real life community, and these these sort of social, whether it be social media communities or gaming communities, sort of in the in the virtual space. In your in your perspective and your understanding, are is one need more than the other or or can you hold them in balance how does that kind of play out 
this this is the tension and this is the question that that even on the online space we're asking yeah. even on the gaming and digital space we're asking like like when when scriptures tell us to not neglect the the, the gathering of the body and to um you know you know all that like i'm like okay so but what does that mean you know like mm-hmm. in in a modern world what does the gathering of the body mean does this does it mean we can meet online and have a video conference and talk face to face this way um and that's we're we're all exploring that it's it's such yeah. a early, such an early phase um i, I would it, it would just be defining your terms in a lot of ways like okay so like um a gospel presentation is a gospel presentation in my mind whether it's over digital waves or it's it's you're sitting your your a butt is in a seat at your church right yeah. um a gospel presentation is that it's it's you're you're scattering seeds and and how cool is it that i can scatter seeds from my bedroom with my dog sleeping on my pillows um to across the world in a moment's notice um and so um traditionalists would say um and i i agree as well i i think there's something special about meeting in person and i say as much as you can and as safely as you can in the pandemic meet in person with people that you um you trust and you know and you you're growing a community with in real life because there's something about the flesh on flesh life on life like hey i can touch you and i can see the expression on your face and i can you can't turn off your camera when you're about to like bust out emotionally and cry and you can't just like Mm -hmm. like shut down the the stream whenever whenever things are getting rough like you have to deal with life with me person on person i think there's something there that can't be done in the digital space um but I also think that the digital space gives us a safe place to be openly authentic in a in a in a, in a way that you don't feel as um, threatened, especially if you might have um, like a social, um, um, I don't want to say issue, but you 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 struggle with social interaction with with people with other people. Um, church can be a very big, very very big thing for people with um social anxiety and things like that that they they don't want to step into that and digital space is a place where they feel safe to have these kind of conversations and life conversations so um and i've seen both i've seen great things happen on digital i've seen great things happen in real life and i've seen conversation on digital encouraging people to find an in-person local church because there was something that they needed help with that like the digital space couldn't do we're like, hey, like you just need to grab a meal with someone. You've been locked up yeah. for a year and a half. Like you got to find someone to yeah. like go <laughs> go to Chili's with, right? <laughs> go to Chili's, get a cheeseburger and a Coke, and like just like don't even talk something deep. Just be with someone in the flesh yeah. and like relearn what it means to have an in-person conversation. That's right. Um, so yeah, it's 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 this interesting thing because it's all so new and we're all kind of learning together. Um, uh, we we kind of got to hold it in tension right and we have to say like okay like um so what what do we define as a gathering of the body Mm -hmm. um there's digital spaces there's digital churches where like there's thousands of people gathering online in a single moment to 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 look at a certain video or to discuss a certain topic and then they like go about their normal life so like i'm like yeah that to me sounds like a gathering of believers right um but you know there is something I think God also wired us in a way to where whenever a group of believers is physically in a room, something happens in the body that like you, I don't think you can get in a digital space because you're not physically there. I think God wired us as humans 
with our souls and our spirits intertwined with him and with one another in this beautiful moment of worship or expression that like um that can't be done in the digital space and i don't think it can ever be done no matter how how intense we get with virtual reality or holograph holographic technology um yeah so yeah that's kind of yeah if we go back if we go back to the movie ready player one i I think the movie even demonstrates that like the power of the power of of the humanness of actually learning each other's identities and coming together working together to solve problems and make change right so i I think that's a significant point to movie let's let's shift gears just a little bit um, you talk openly about your story growing up, you know, being bullied as a kid, oh, yeah. which I, you know, which is a huge kind of thing in our culture, you know, anti-bullying and, and I'm, I'm all for that. Obviously, I think that's a great thing. We should, we should have those mechanisms in place. Uh, so kind of tell us a little bit about your story and how that's translated into adulthood and what it has done in terms of your passion for uh, mental, emotional and spiritual health. Great, great questions, my dudes. Um, so, uh, that's yeah. why we're on this side of the microphone. I know, right? So, <laughs> it's easier so, from this side. <laughs> sure, I'm. I know. I'm feeling the not not pressure. Um, I just don't know where to start. So, this is this is something that is very near and dear to my heart. Um, uh, I was raised um, in a in a home that was lower income. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom, like, there were six of us in the house in a in a like three bedroom, one bath house, uh, all sharing rooms, everything like that. My mom would sew our clothes a lot of times. And um, so lower income. So we didn't have like the best of the best, everything. And, and we lived in a town that, that the, the discrepancy between like, there was very little middle class. And so either like you were upper, upper class or like not. <laughs> so, um, and so it was very obvious at school who, who was who, and, right. and we were on the lower ring of that. Right. And so I had Coke bottle glasses. Right. And like <laughs> I have headphones on, so you can't see my ears, but I have like pointy ears and like a lot just wasn't working for me, you know, as a, as a little kid. And, and there were some really mean people that would pick on me and I had um, have dyslexia and some, some motor things that, that were very pretty evident as a kid and so they would just latch onto that and just pick on me sure. and just like um and it got got into me man like it got into me where like hey you're stupid like you're like they would use a hard r word they would like and like all these things to me like and i'm um and it was very bad um a lot of times never really got physical it was mostly like verbal mm-hmm. um just like badgering and mm-hmm. it just it would get to my head and so um finally i guess in like high school i i, I sprouted up i guess and I've, I've i just like i decided i'm i'm just gonna like be be me and i was fully me and I, I ended up becoming like the mascot in high school and i was on the drum line and all these things and started to like develop something outside of that and um all that all that being said like i i, I said this in another podcast but i i had the luxury of like um when when my bullies were picking on me they only could pick on me between like 7 45 a.m to 3 30 p.m monday through friday when school was in session right um as soon as i got on the bus or off the bus um that's when it began and ended 
Um, and I, and then when I was home, I was in a safe place. My mom right. is a beautiful, amazing woman who raised me really, really well. My stepdad is an incredible man who, who's, he's the hard, hard worker, um, worked the same job for like over 30 years at this point. And, you know, and so like, um, they loved me and took care of me and all of us kids really, really well. And so I had that safe place to run to. We don't have that luxury anymore. Right. Kids these days, their bullies follow them home in their pocket on social media with their cell phone numbers, with messenger apps. And um, it's it's bad. It's really, really bad and ugly. The things kids are telling each other because they're telling it to a screen and mentally they don't fully understand yet that like that other username is a person. Right, <laughs> it's, right. um, and so it's it's rough on these streets, man. Like it's it's like, yeah, it's bad. Yeah. So for, for you then, as you kind of, so you say towards high school uh-huh. kind of evolved and sort of grew out of that, you know, which again, is not everyone's luxury. Right. right? And so that, that kind of spills over into adulthood that kind of spills over into relational sort of realities that extend into future marriages and future children of their own. Right. So, um, so for you, as you kind of began to grow out of that, what are some of those, what are some of those one, two, three kind of lessons that you learned about learning to not only love yourself, but learn to love those who persecute you, as they say <laughs> in the Beatitudes, right? Yeah, true. So, so what was, what are maybe some of those pointers that you could offer someone who may not, you may not be experiencing quite the liberation yet that you, you that you did? Yeah. Um, if you're a believer in Christ, you have to latch on to your identity in Christ, mm, yeah. and who he says you are. You're a son, you're a daughter, you're seated in heavenly places. You're already royalty in yeah. the father's eyes. Go ahead and like, preach that, John. And, and you're, you're not, you're not less than you're not, you're not thrown out garbage. You, there are no social socioeconomic classes in heaven and in kingdom. Right. We are all on the same, same playing field. We see that in so many stories from Jesus, but that from the laborer who showed up at the beginning of the day to the laborer who showed up at the, at the 11th hour, like we're all getting the same wages in yeah. kingdom. Right. And so yeah. primarily, even if you're not a believer, God loves you that much, you know, like that he, he would send his son to, to give you access to that same level of, of, of kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I would encourage anyone here's a gospel presentation right off. I would encourage anyone that hasn't stepped into that to fully step into that. If you're struggling with your, with bullying, with trauma from your past, step into your identity of Christ. Um, even if you, you knew him at a young age and maybe walked away, try to step back into that because that's who you really are. That's a reality. The facts might say that like, here's my, here's my physical situation, but the truth is that Christ has put you in, in heavenly places yeah. already. And so, um, I would say number one, that, um, understanding that and fully fully knowing whose you are um yeah and or attempting i'm still working on the whole fully knowing whose i am um, it's a life day journey, by day right i mean we're all we're all in that life journey together jeff and i are on that life yeah. journey together I mean, <laughs> yeah i mean this whole show started because we wanted to write a book and we realized no we're not ready yet <laughs> <laughs> still not ready still not ready so i love it yeah so that's like number one number two get into therapy or counseling mm-hmm. um i to work on those things and to wrestle them out and to fully pinpoint like, Hey, what are these traumas? I remember, I remember the, the first therapy session I had with my therapist and counselor. And I was, he was like, okay, so tell me your story. And I was like, well, my story is pretty normal. You know, like my parents were divorced at a young age and I just like just tried to keep going. And he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. He was like, 
that like let's let's start right here that is not normal yeah like that's yeah. <laughs> that's a trauma and i was like oh and then i started crying and i was like holy yeah. crap like, <laughs> like like i normalized my trauma you know yeah. like I, I was like everyone's parents are divorced you know like <laughs> he was yeah. like no that was a deep cut that like we got to explore that and what yeah. that meant whenever your dad would drop you off back at your stepdad and mom's house and whenever he would pick you up every other weekend and when he would cancel plans last minute that you were looking forward to we got to talk about what that did to you to your mm-hmm. spirit as a young kid and i was like oh my god like yeah <laughs> like yeah let's I talk got, about that yeah like, please i need <laughs> to talk about that <laughs> so you know i want to i want to push on something because i think it's really interesting um Rob and I are very pro therapy and counseling. We were, before we yeah. started the show, I was like, Hey, I was talking to my counselor this week because <laughs> it's, it's pretty normalized in our life. But what we've also done, I think is normalized trauma, normalize the behaviors that have happened to us, the events. And in the church, we've not really done a good job of normalizing therapy and counseling. Hmm. How, how has, how can we maybe as a church, make that, especially I think for guys, I think, yeah. I think for us guys, we struggle with that make that more acceptable and less shameful because because i know when i first started going to counseling there was a shame that i wasn't strong enough to deal with it or i couldn't fix it myself or whatever the the shame-based thought was how do we help individuals in the body of christ go hey it's it's okay to go talk to somebody (laughs) we look at elijah in the bible and we look at we look at jesus and we Jesus is, was, forever will be God. And Jesus had his three dudes, Peter, James, and John. They're like, they're like, these were his inner circle. And these were the dudes that like, when stuff went down, he went away with them. We don't know fully what he talked about every time, but like, we know that they were closer than the others. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and I think (laughs) the shame part where like, I can't do this myself or I'm like, why can't I fix this myself and going to therapy? I mean, that's a, that's a declaration of faith right there. That's a, I'm not strong enough to do this on my own Yeah. and I need help. And right now, like the, the Emmanuel with me is my therapist, the God with me is my therapist because he can call me out. He can call me higher. Um, and he can look, he can look at my life from an outside perspective and say, okay, like, we're going to, we're going to talk about that. Like we're going to pinpoint that in this session or, or whatnot. And so, um, we can destigmatize it by saying, okay, like if Elijah like cried out to God and was like, just kill me now. <laughs> and God was like, here's some food. And like, he'd take a nap, you know, like <laughs> you can, and then we'll get back at it, kid. Like, because like, take care of yourself a little bit here, but like, I got you, man. Um, I think um, we can destigmatize it by looking at the Bible and look at, look at the mental health patterns that even Jesus had. And we can say, okay, like, like this, it's okay to ask for help. And, and mm-hmm. there way back in the day i say way back in the day probably still within our lifetimes like we would call therapists shrinks Mm -hmm. and we would it it was just like this like nasty word for like hey you're really messed up if you're going to this person (laughs) and uh, i think i think as the church is more open and honest about our stuff we can all say man we're all really freaking messed up (laughs) like like Mm -hmm. we are like i'm not saying like everyone's like struggles with schizophrenia or any any major like mental state things but like we in some capacity we all we all have something that we can work on mentally emotionally um that like we can be better at and a lot and most of the time it requires a third party 
to kind of look into our lives and to process things with us and to pinpoint things and, and help us um, know ourselves and overcome some of the things that have happened to us. Um, yeah. So that's, that's what I would say. And I would say like um, pastors need to begin being honest from the pulpit if they go to therapy and open mm-hmm. and talk openly about it. And, and um, maybe not specifics about the session, but at That's least true. openly say like, Hey, like I, I saw my therapist this week and like intertwine it in their, in their sermons yeah, to where good. it's like, it's normalized. Um, yeah. Cause we oh, need it. I think, I think this, this conversation in and of itself um, and we've had many mental health conversations on the show, but I still think it underscores the fact that as we talk about young adults and Gen Z, how to reach them, how to keep them in church, this, this whole conversational mental health is not just a, a scientific conversation. It is also a spiritual evangelistic yeah. conversation. If you want to reach Gen Z students, create pathways for them to actually have those kinds of uh, conversations that they need to be having, because here's the reality uh, across the board nationally. And I know I've mentioned this before, but almost 40% of incoming college freshmen are coming in with a diagnosable mental health illness, right? Just this morning at the time of the recording of the show, not the time of the, the, the day that we release it, release it. Thank you. The recording Chronicle of higher education came out this morning with an article, a huge article on the massive escalation of suicide hmm. across colleges, campuses in America, secular and Christian, right? So if you want to talk about a harvest field and an opportunity to reach young adults, to incorporate them in and graft them into the body, to disciple, to spiritually mentor, to take opportunities to reach the next generation. This whole mental health conversation is a great way to start. And you don't have to be an expert. I'm not a licensed counselor, right? It's about, it's about pathways and opportunities for mm-hmm. conversations, knowing when to hand someone off to, to someone else when you're, when you're not there, you know what I'm yeah. saying? It, it's so the hard part about leaders is we want to, lead in many things right <laughs> there are certain areas where i know i can't lead right, right? because i'm not skilled i'm not trained but, i'm not qualified and i think but i think the leading the leading in that that conversation is going this is past my capacity mm-hmm. and i got to get someone who's a professional involved there are some pastoral, yeah there's some pastoral conversations we can have with with students and young adults and whoever but there's at some point we got to go hey i got to get someone who's a licensed therapist who, who really has a deeper perspective on this, who can look into my life and go, no, that's a trauma. Like you mentioned, like, like, cause I got some things in my life that I was like, no, that's just normal. Like those things were just normal. Right. And you talk about somebody else and they're like, no, that's not normal. <laughs> you, you need to co- sort of sort through that. Those feelings yeah. are not true, you know? Right. Um, so I think it's very important. So, so how have you, especially with social media, cause, cause that's where yeah. we connected first, John. Hmm. How have you on social media helped been a, been an asset to people who are struggling with this conversation of mental emotional health? How have I helped? Yeah, yeah. Because oh, you've been a, you've been a help to me. Like I've <laughs> oh. I've followed your Twitter for a while now. Oh, that's oh, so kind. I want to be I want to be a leader in the space where I I say openly, hey, me too. Mm-hmm. Um, especially as a Christian, destigmatizing this conversation of mental health and things like that. So, so when I post things like, like the tweet that's pinned to the top of my profile, not trying to plug myself, but, but it's this, it's this, it's this general tweet of like, Hey, like if you're struggling right now, know that you, you have a God given purpose in this world. Know that you have value. I know that you're tired right now. I know you want to give up, but just take a break, come back when you're ready and we'll be here. Like we need you here. And, and, 
tweets like that and posts like that where like i'm talking to myself <laughs> like yeah. like I, preaching to ourselves right? yeah right exactly and i'm saying john like hey things are rough right now bro like take a step back for a few days sleep in a little bit get your favorite meal go to the zoo i have a <laughs> annual membership to the zoo because that's uh, i love animals and i love like people think i work at the zoo because i'm telling all the little kids facts about all the animals as i'm like, going on it's it's probably weird but i do it anyways you know mommy so, who's the weird guy talking about giraffes so much i met john the zookeeper john doesn't work here yeah there's no john here what have you asked him for a name tag yet hey, like, yeah right yeah can i please it, it'll help please it'll help all of us it'll just be less awkward so um yeah like stuff like that we're like hey like and and every time i post something like that every time i post something where i'm like hey like you're gonna be okay like um your yeah. best days are ahead i'd sign i try to sign off every email the best is ahead or or anything i say i try to say best ahead because it's true like the best is ahead like if, if we're in christ especially like we know the best days are ahead of us like as dark as it gets here like the best is, is yet to come and um we're going to, we're going to make it through. Um, and so I, I think that's how I've helped people. And, and I don't even know if it's me helping people, you know, <laughs> it's just me like saying, like, yeah. here's where I met. Um, and, and, and also knowing my limits, I get DMS all the time. Hey, I'm, I'm really struggling today. I'm, I'm fixated on, on ending my life or, you know, things like that. And I'm like, Hey, hold on, man. Like, that's heavy. Like, yeah. Like, I appreciate you telling me that and thank you for being vulnerable, but like, I can't help you with that. Like, um, here's some information. Here's some contact numbers. Where right. do you live? Can I help you help find you some, some help? Like, what are you, what's, you know, can I help you find like actual like physical help or like, Hey, do you need help with rent? Do you need help with food? Like what's hap what's, what's happening in your life right now? Um, and knowing my limits to where I can't coach them out of it. And right. also knowing like, um, that prayer is powerful, but like prayer doesn't fix everything immediately all the time. And scriptures are powerful, but sometimes having the discernment to say like, maybe right now they don't need a verse. <laughs> maybe right now they need a listening ear to say like, oh man, like I've been there too. And I got through it and I know you can get through it. And um, yeah, something like that, because um, people are struggling, especially through COVID. It's been a, it's been a hard, hard season for a lot of people. Yeah, I know. I think, John, I'm, I'm pretty sure you would agree with this. I certainly don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think I think just hearing your heart and your passion for these kinds of conversations and how we use social media to encourage other people. Right. To, yes, take the stigma out to, right. you know, to do these kinds of things. I, I think I think what we're what we're ultimately saying is this is more than just positive or popular psychology where we flash up like. Hey, it's going to be a great day kind of thoughts, right? I think, I think, you know, some of the, the pushback or maybe the, I want to say pushback, maybe that's the oh, wrong way to say it. Yeah, no, that's but the word. next, the next layer would be, we've got to move beyond the, the positive psychology and just leave it there. Like, Hey, this is all that's required to an invitation to do the deep soul work Yeah, that actually gets to the root of those issues. Like, like you, and I think you've been saying this the whole time, like, these are just opening door conversations yeah, exactly. with through through Twitter or social media or Facebook or even gaming communities or whatever, right? These are just gospel seed presentations, but more what we're asking for, what we're seeking are invitational sort of realities for people to say, yeah, I'm struggling with this, but I also want to do the deep soul work mm. 
on what it's going to take to, <laughs> to get this healing that's promised, right? The wholeness that God desires for each and every single one of our lives. And so I think, I think that's sort of the bridge that we have a hard time crossing yeah. between like social media realities and, and helping people actually get the help they need. I agree. I, and I, I, I say this as often as I can, my, my whole mission online is to get people to consider Jesus for a second longer each day. Yeah. And that's, that's people, that's people who have loved him their whole life and that are willing to go put their head on the chopping block in Saudi Arabia. And that's people who don't believe he exists at all and are adamantly against him. If I can get people to consider Jesus for a second longer each day, God can do more in that second than I can do in a lifetime of conversation Yeah, because he can actually come in and impact their lives and say, okay, like, thank you for opening up for the second here I am, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I, and so that's, that's my heart. And, and exactly. I've been, I've been accused of being a false teacher so many times because I do keep it pretty light. I do keep yeah. it very light in a lot of ways. Sometimes I get heavy, but in, most of the time it's very basic. Like, Hey, God loves you. You wouldn't believe when I post like Jesus loves you online. Sometimes people are like, well, what about Jacob and Esau? And I'm like, people like, you're not, you're not helping. <laughs> you're not helping. Um, I'm like, Oh no. Um, yeah. And so anyways, I, yes, I, I keep it very light on the, on the surface level when it gets in the DMS or like mentions, things like that, I can go a little deeper. Um, but like, as far as like general spreading, I'm always, I'm always trying to stay like positive and saying, okay, like we're going to make it like we can make it. And then as soon as someone reaches out and says, Hey, I don't think I can make it. I can say, okay, now we can now, like, yeah. we right. back some layers, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now we can, we can have a discussion and it's similar to real life. I like even when you're giving a gospel presentation to someone, most people don't go up to them, go up to a random stranger and say, Hey, you're a rotten sinner destined for hell. And like, you need Jesus. Most of the time I would hope most of the time, the conversation is actually very surface level at the beginning. Hey, like I noticed you, I was just eating my burger across the room in this restaurant. I just, I noticed you and I just wanted to say hi and introduce myself. Okay. That's an introduction. Um, hey, uh, you're in the grocery store. Someone needs help carrying the groceries. Hey, help. Let me, let me help you carry these. Um, stuff like that, where it's like very easy entry touch points to where you can have an opportunity to either show Christ or share Christ in a, in a, in a, in a very easy yeah. entry level yeah, way. Good. Um, that's good. Yeah. That's good. John, we are, we're coming to a close. I do have one other question or a couple questions I want to get to really quickly before we close. You do some consulting online. Yeah. Um, the whole church went online last April or whatever, like we had no choice. Yeah. I mean, so, um, what, a, just a couple quick pointers, what, what has been sort of the things we've, we've miserably failed at online as a church and how can we move into that space in a way that makes it more engaging? You've opened a can of worms, my friend. This is okay. (laughs) This this has been a message I've been right. I've been trying to get churches on for a very long time, and there's a lot of dudes that have been trying to. Um, And I, as weird as it sounds, and I know a lot of people died, and I know a lot of people struggled, but I I thank God for COVID because it finally made churches step into the digital space. Even as like some of them haven't done a great job as we've seen and as we're going to talk about and others have done an incredible job, but it's forced churches to finally realize, okay, like digital is a viable option for getting, getting our experience out to the, to the masses. Um, Places where I've seen potential for growth or opportunity for growth um, would be um, in translating the church experience, your specific church's experience into an online experience. 
put, putting an iPhone or a camera in the middle of the room and just letting it broadcast doesn't really do much. Like it gets the message out there, but like, as far as like, Hey, what's it like being in your church and what's it like going through the doors and what's it like sitting in a chair and what's it like grabbing coffee? Like bring me into the story. Like, tell mm -hmm. me, tell me the full story of this thing. Even if you do like a pre-service bumper, and it's like, it's literally just you walking with the camera through the doors with the welcome team and then into the lobby and looking around and then like wh whatever it might be, like bring the digital people into the space. And and I would say that that would be a great first step from a lot of churches. Another one would be, um, this is gonna be risky and this is gonna, might make some people upset, but um, rather than broadcasting on Sunday morning, record on Sunday morning and, and um, make it digestible and make it um, an understandable in a shorter form to where um, you can invite your online space into these, these um, experiences that are translated to the communities and the spaces in which you're posting. So YouTube can be a little bit longer form. Facebook, you just do maybe the key points of the sermon, um, Instagram, like graphic layers, things like that. Um, and do like a digital online experience where you can have church staff. If you have a limited church staff, you can have a digital online experience on Thursdays where that's when you live rebroadcast or have a live broadcast of a church experience to where staff can be there to, to meet with the people's needs. Um, that would be a good, good thing. Um, or you could even pre-record the Sunday sermon on a Thursday. I know a lot of pastors don't like that because a lot of pastors don't have their message ready until Saturday night. But um, it's well, a growing experience for us all. Right. There's a growing... I've been on church staff too and I've, I've felt the pain of like, okay, pastor, yeah. like I really need your notes because like you can't send them to me at 3 a.m. on Sunday morning. Oh, but to, we can. I know. I know. As but a senior pastor, oh, yes, we can. Oh, I know. The Lord I get spoke it. last night. Like, I get it. I get it um i get it on all set i'm like hey um so that would be a good stretching opportunity where you pre-record on a thursday broadcast that specific online message where it's a it's actual talking head where you the pastor are like there and you're like directly engaging like hey online community we are so glad you're here etc 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 yeah i think is is great so um, can i can i kind of dissect that a little bit so yeah. are there churches doing a separate digital experience completely like they're recording on Thursday and still doing a live event Sunday morning. Yep. That's, yep. that's, I scratch my head. That's new. Like that's, <laughs> well, <laughs> I had that thought. So, um, um, cross point Chattanooga. That's what, that's what pastor Chad does. He, oh, okay. record, he records on Thursdays because it's a much more controlled digital environment from, for editing, you know, yep. sound, you know, visuals. And then he preaches the same sermon live on Sundays, hmm. but for the online community, it, it's broadcast on Sundays. Yep. That makes and, sense. and, it, and like you said, it gives the sound engineer time to mix, mix the music. It gives the sound. It, it's a yeah. very specific, like you can't just take a channel from your main room and throw it online and expect it to sound good. Right. Because oh my goodness. The room is very different than what I have going on yeah. here in my yeah. quiet controlled environment. Um, and so, yeah, I, it's, Thursdays pre-record broadcast it on Sundays and hmm. and that it's just as much of a of a church experience in my mind yeah. um, as putting a camera in the room and broadcasting that experience it, but it's more rich and it's more meaningful for the digital space and more intentional people yeah, can tell yeah. oh this church spent time we're not just an afterthought oh we need to throw we need to put this online it's like yeah. oh like these guys are doing this with excellence and with intentionality about me 
watching this and i feel i feel like i feel like they made this special for me um not in like a cocky way but like you know oh like they they care like so well i think i think too you know every church has limited resources right like most churches have extremely limited resources and so what that does actually in my opinion is it helps bridge the gap between can you pull off an outstanding live event on sunday mornings yes you can do you have half a million dollars to spend on the equipment and the gear it requires to do it? No, probably don't. not. Yeah. <laughs> the church planter. No. <laughs> right. So, so can you do it? Yes. But, but it's much more cost effective. You pre-record something, right. mix it and, and you can deliver it in a very controlled format. It's, it's exponentially cheaper, like a fraction. Uh, you can get away with mediocre equipment doing that. Right. Right. I'm not the digital, I'm like, like right. the gear guy, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah. The, like you were saying, if you want to do that on a Sunday morning, you need like the booms and you need like bright lights and you need like everything, which would make a lot, a lot of people that like the physical experience kind of grumpy in many churches across the nation. Yeah. Um, but, or you can, you can spend 500, $5,000 on, on some, some equipment, some easily approachable equipment and and spend time chopping it up and getting it ready for uh, online digestible content yeah and look fantastic right and, and amazing right so, right anyway yeah, yeah you get some great. fake fake plants you get some yeah. like cool yeah whatever in the background and some you're, styrofoam you're, backdrop little stage design i'm just I mean, making notes here guys just ignore me i'm notes like crazy <laughs> right now like like john i will send you like a <laughs> donation here <laughs> It'll probably be coffee, but I'll send it. Uh, hey, I'll take it. I love coffee. <laughs> awesome. Hey, man, I know we're getting close to time, and I, I've, I've loved our conversation and uh, really excited for what God is doing kind of in your world through the, being yeah. an influencer online and uh, your consulting work and just being a, a rad gamer. So there you go. <laughs> uh, but we do have one final question for you, which is a question we ask all of our guests on the show. And uh, what we would like to know is what is one thing that you had learned um in college that did not take place in the classroom college is where i fully stepped into my identity of of christ in christ and it's where i i finally learned that i have limits as a human and that i'm i'm my own person i'm not my parents kid well i am but like my true identity is like i i'm a full full human man that has has needs and issues that i need to fully let go and give to christ and so that's where I, i i learned that I need Jesus in a, in a, in a actual tangible way and not in like a headspace way, but I need to right, fully right. surrender to him. Um, so that's one lesson. Um, another lesson is just how much you can do with ramen noodles. Um, that's, <laughs> that's a, Amen that's to that. that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You make some pretty good stuff out of yeah, You really can. I was yeah. kind of blown away. I was like, wait, I can do all this. What? You can okay. Make ramen cakes. You can make yeah. ramen cakes. cakes? Oh, yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah, you can I'm, just. I'm learning brick. so much today. You just get the brick raw and just like crunch. Yeah, on you that put thing. the seasoning in it. And you crush oh, up the bag. It's just my like, man. Yeah, yeah it's you know what I'm saying? like chips, Ooh, like chips, <laughs> like chips. Yeah, it's like chips. Very cheap chips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very. Cheap. <laughs> yeah, very wow, cheap. I've learned so very, much today. Very starchy <laughs> chips. I, my 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 brain is so full of information right now. <laughs> But John, what a what an absolute pleasure, friend, to finally kind of get to connect. We've we've been connected on social media, but this was a joy. And as we always like to say here at the Leadership Drip, you have a seat at the table. Thanks for being on, friend. Thank you. Thanks for your time today. It was awesome. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Leadership Drip. 
If something from this episode was helpful for you, then share it on your social media and tag us. If we see it, we may reshare it on our channels. We appreciate you taking the time to join us. And remember, you always have a seat at the table.